The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Don Rose joins us with U.S. Commodities. I tell you, Don, I was hoping that Monday would start out to some decent numbers. And boy, we look at the trade. We took a, took a hit in the soybeans once again. You know, we did. And, uh, but I think if you back up and you look at the uh, trade last night, we actually started out the trade from not a bad close on Friday, two cents higher on corn, uh, four cents higher on soybeans. But then I think some of these outside influences uh, from some more uh, t- uh, trade talk rhetoric put some pressure on us. And then also the uh, the rain uh, developed in some of these areas. And I think it was a combination. Crops too good, uh, too much uh, trade talk uh, negatively, and a risk-off type environment and uh, put us under a lot of pressure here again today. That is absolutely crazy what we're dealing with with weather right now. We never want to wish the rain away by any means because then it seems to take forever to come back. But for some of our producers, I mean, we're hearing of tractors being buried in in water, uh, roads being closed, hard to get to livestock. There's just so many factors that are now going to bear down with this continued wet week that we're into. Yeah, I would say that on soybeans, that is definitely the case. I would say that soybeans uh, in the areas that are uh, too wet, uh, the rain is a neg- is uh, actually hurting the crop, and I would say that's uh, you know parts of Illinois, parts of Iowa, parts of Minnesota, uh, you know uh, parts of Wisconsin. So there's there's areas that there's no doubt uh, too much uh, too much rain, and the crops going backwards. Corn plants bigger, so it seems like it's able to hold together a, a lot better and absorb the rain. And of course, you know this time of year you don't need a lot of moisture for corn. But um, so for right now, I would say the uh, corn's holding its own. Soybeans probably suffering. Well, we will get a report out later on this afternoon from the USDA, and this is obviously looking to a week back, but still some weather factors. You're talking maybe a possible slip in the soybeans? Yeah, I think we probably do slip a little bit on soybeans. And one, we're starting out with uh, lofty levels. Uh, look at last year, uh, we, we were we were at 66% good to excellent. Our average is 67 and we're sitting at a 73% nationally good to excellent rating. So, you know, no doubt, I think there's a little bit of, uh, with the wet weather, uh, that we have those states that we mentioned probably could come down a little bit. Uh, you know, of course, there's still in uh, some of the areas where the beans just look terrific. So I think it's kind of a cross current here. But, um, you know, and probably spring wheat, the same thing probably holds about steady, and corn probably holds steady this week. From, But if you look at the crop ratings on corn, we're at 78% good to excellent versus 67 a year ago and 71.3% on the five-year average. And look what we had for a yield last year, 107, over 176 bushels. So that's the issue that the corn market's dealing with right now. So a good idea. What, what advice would you give to that producer that's looking at those numbers of last year, what the potential is for the markets this year to be able to do some marketing and be prepared come harvest? Yeah. Well, you know, I think this is the fourth year in a row, uh, Susan, where uh, your op- price opportunity was earlier in the year rather than later. And, you know, it is one of those if these crop ratings are high and you get the crop in the ground, which we did, it's very hard. You're kind of swimming uphill uh, or swimming upstream on this uh, the market. And so what you really need from a producer standpoint, you know, if you're below the cost of production, um, you're at these levels where insurance is starting to kick in uh, or has kicked in in many areas that really 
there's the downside uh, is probably more limited, and I would probably wait for since we're so deeply oversold, and this Fourth of July weekend can be a very dangerous weekend from weather pattern changes, and the tariff talk can certainly turn into a positive, not a negative. I would say that at this area, technically, and the spike low that we had last Tuesday, wait and see if we get some kind of a technical rally and then reassess your uh, risk management opportunities. But down here, probably more sense to uh, buy some call calls, insurance, the upside to protect your insurance. Well, for soybeans, could it be a different story because they've got more of the the trade issues, investment problems going on? Well, and I think that's why we're taking some of the air out of the uh, soybeans so fast here. But... You know, when you get down to the, you, you think about our U.S. producers. We're the most efficient producers in the world. So you think about it. If we're having trouble at these price levels, the rest of the world is also having uh, trouble at these price levels. And sometimes you, the low-cost producer is the one that survives. And I think from a Chinese standpoint, uh, they're probably just not going to shut off their consumption to their uh, consumers. You're, you're probably going to see is that trade next year, 103 million metric tons, switch around. So China doesn't buy from us. They probably buy from Brazil, and Brazil buys from us. And, you know, right now, uh, we already have a tariff built in in the world prices uh, at the present time. Well, you know, Brazil's, though, having some issues of their own when it comes to the, the trucker strike and, and trying to get that crop to port to be able to ship to co- countries like China, for example. Well, exactly, Susan. I think that you can see the United States is uh, the most efficient in uh, many categories, from production to our uh, transportation uh, has been built out. A lot of these other countries are still working on their roads. They're still working on their transportation system. Um, Their economies uh, aren't as uh, organized as ours. You know, they have a uh, national trucker strike, and just like that, the bean movement slows down or stops. So, uh, when you're China and you have this huge consumption engine, it is not as easy as you think just to say, oh, forget uh, the United States and we'll buy beans elsewhere. You know, who knows? Maybe they have to pay the 25% tariff and uh, buy the beans from the U.S. So that would be a kicker for them because that is, uh, you know, that uh, situation could easily develop. We did see, uh, what, about 186,000 metric tons of beans sold to an unknown could that unknown possibly be china well it it could and you know i would say that uh, it wouldn't be out of character at all and you know the chinese you know you talk about all these uh, trade skirmishes while our soybeans were down 20 cents today china they're 12 hours ahead of us so they closed already and they were up 11 cents uh yesterday or last night the same and they were up three on soybeans and they were up three cents on corn so their prices are getting a little more expensive uh over there also well stick around we do have more of the fontanelle final bell coming up after this on the rural radio network welcome back to the fontanelle final bell here on the rural radio network i'm susan littlefield don rose joins us the u.s commodities Take a quick look as we finish up on the grain side this week complex. I know harvest continues to move north, and I was in Kansas on Thursday, and I was telling you before the final bell, things look absolutely beautiful. But when you go out there and you glance at these fields, there's not a lot of fill out there. Yeah, and I think when you look at the wheat, uh, you know, that is the issue. We had some real uh, terrifically heat. Uh, and, you know, some issues with the wheat. But uh, so the yields, I think, are going to be up and down. But uh, I think when you look at the wheat in general and the big, broad scope of things, 
it's harvest time, Susan, and harvest time usually is the time frame that you, uh, if you have a crop that is, is uh, kind of sizable, that you try to see if you can tuck it away from the marketplace. So you usually seasonally go down, try to put a low wind when we're somewhere around 50% harvested on, on the uh, crop, and I think that's what we're going to try and do again. So we're down with some value probably with harvest time here. And uh, remember, the U.S. is only 7% of the world production, so it's the other countries that we have to watch from their production issues. Don, as we head over to the livestock side, it is not a pretty picture. And you used the statement uh, during the commercial break, sell it or smell it. Kind of a good thing to keep in perspective when you look at all the trade issues, grains versus livestock. Yeah, you know, and I think you know, we, we, the livestock has more of an issue because if you look at the grains, it's a sellable commodity, a storable commodity. So you can store it for quite a while and keep it away from the market artificially. Uh, you know, a lot of storage bins out in the country at the elevator level. But when you look at the meat complex, it's one of those that uh, it truly is that you have to keep it moving. It's, uh, you can uh, freeze it for a little while, not as long. So really what we say is as it uh, moves through the channels, you have to either sell it or smell it, and the price uh, it has to move down to a level that the consumer wants to buy it. And I think that's really what's happening in, uh, in the market. Um, but if you back away from the, ca- from the market a little bit, Susan, uh, seasonally, uh, June, uh, April, May, June are the best seasonal times of the year. July, August, the worst seasonal times of the year. So, you know, to come under pressure right now when we have a big numbers of cattle coming at us, and by the way, the cattle on feed June 1st was an all-time record, and so it just puts it in perspective, and then our placements were a little bit bigger, too. Cold storage was, uh, you know, 13% over a year ago on beef, so I think it all adds up. You have to stay current. Um, you know, how much of the negative this is already dialed in is the key. But we certainly watch the equity market very close on the meat market from the consumption standpoint. Is the economy strong enough that the consumer is going to buy even at a lower price? You know, it's kind of Stock int- market is down like 500 points here as we're talking. Oh, wow. Not, not something we want to hear right now. Is you, you talk about the livestock. I want to jump to this cattle and feed report real quick because... You know, Wednesday, Thursday of last week, people were expecting this June report to be kind of a snoozer. Not a lot of excitement to happen. And obviously, Friday sure showed them a different path. Yeah, it really did. And I think it was, you know, the cattle on feed, just a big number there. Um, But also the placement figures year to date uh, down 1% versus a year ago. But it's the second largest placement, uh, you know, since like, like 2007. And if you look at it, I think why is the placement so big? I think we had a, a more cattle than normal coming across our borders from Canada and Mexico. So I think that uh, equated to some of the issues with the placements. And the cattle on feed, I think it's just, you know, we've had big placements for a number of months. We knew these cattle were going to come at us here during the summer, and we're right at the time frame where we have the big numbers probably all the way through, uh, I would say, the, the middle of August. It's just going to be a real slugfest. Actually, uh, you know, we're not even going to be able to kill all the cattle uh, on a weekly basis, so we're going to have to push them over into the next week and the next month. So that's a situation that tells you you need to stay current. When um, can we expect cash to pick up this week? Well, I think, you know, the cash cattle market is uh, is one that is probably going to continue to come under some pressure here. And uh, the, it feels like the packer is trying to w- wait late in the week to try and trade 
and uh, let the uh, you know particularly the way the news is running with the the weak weakness on some of those tariff talks. So I would bet that we have a trade unless something changes closer to Friday again, and probably uh, going to be a little bit lower, another buck lower, maybe a little more this week, and we try to match up the cash with the futures a little bit more. Don, as we look at the hogs quickly, not as bad as what the cattle is, but still bad enough. Yeah, you know, the cash market's just been on fire uh, here, and that's seasonally, that's not a surprise, but August 19th is a seasonal time frame where the hog market starts to lose momentum, and uh, it's really from August on out is really the weakness, but it's it's a supply issue, Susan, on the hogs. If you if you go forward, we're going to have over uh, over four percent more hogs uh, than a year ago. Production in the uh, third quarter and in the fourth quarter, we're going to have over six percent more uh, production than a year ago. And then even jumping into next year, another two percent. So, and our export pace hasn't been as strong as people think. All right, sounds good. What's the best way for folks to be able to reach you, Don? Yeah, you bet. They can uh, reach us at any time at 1-800-247-4071. All right. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Being brought to you by Fontenelle and all your local Fontenelle dealers.